Parsha's Vayeshev, my Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Oh. I, want, I, I will not bore you with my Bar Mitzvah Shetel, ten pages in Yiddish. I don't remember what it was about, but I won't bore you with it. Um, so, but Parsha's Vayeshev is again one of the Parshias, one of the next coming up four Parshias that deal with Yosef. Yosef HaTzadik, the only one of the of, of the Shvatim that's called Yosef HaTzadik. And just as an introduction, this week is, is, is the yard site of Rav Hutner, Rav Yitzchak Hutner, Rosh Hashiva, and the founder of the Chaim Berlin Yeshiva, which Baruch Hashem is still going very strong today in Brooklyn, New York. Very strong community. Futner was a Slabatka Talmud, a good friend of my Rosh Hashiva of Rudiman, Zichron Levracha. They learned together in Chevron, in, in Slabatka. Futner actually came with the altar of Slabatka to Eretz Yisrael and learned in Chevron in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, so that's his distinction. He was a tremendous leader, thinker, and he opened up for the Olam HaYeshivas the world of Machshava. Interestingly enough, he, like the Alter of Slabarka, had this way of building Talmidim and, and bringing out their unique, special qualities. My Rosh Hashiva, also Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, was a Talmud Muvik of Rav Hutner. He learned in Chaim Berlin before marrying Rav Ruderman's daughter, mm. only daughter, and, and moving to Baltimore and becoming the Rosh Hashiva, ultimate Rosh Hashiva of Ner Yisrael. But his origins was with Rav Hutner, in the base manager of Rav Hutner. But I can tell you that as a greater thinker and a greater Talmud Chacham and... <coughs> And speaker that of that of Rabbi Weinberg was, he never I never heard him mention once Rav Hutner. It was his Rebbe Muvak, and not once did I ever hear him quote from Pachad Yitzchak the insights of Rav Hutner. Not once. And I was in yeshiva for a long time. <laughs> that was the power of a Rebbe like Rav Hutner. He wanted to develop Rabbi Weinberg in his own depth of his own machshava, not to be a parrot, like, like most Rebbeim want. They love when people sell over their Torah. Tell, I say, oh, this Rabbi Friedman said this, Rabbi Rudiman said, you know, this is what they say over, and, and you feel good, the Rebbe feels good. That the, but is the, you never know if the Talmud is being koina and becoming, Rav Hutner was the type of Rebbe, that was more important when he had a Talmud like such a unique thinker and Talmud Chacham potential in Rabbi Weinberg that he wanted to develop into his own brand of thinking. And he developed him in a way that he could think honestly and clearly, of course, with the foundations that he taught him, but not to be a parrot. And this was when, when Rabbi Weinberg ultimately... Uh, eulogized his Rabbi Rafutner, and I was there at the time. I was Zaycha six months before Rafutner was Nifter. 
in in um, and Rufutna already moved to Eretz Yisrael, which was a big revolution he caused. My one of my rebellion when I was learning in the Negev back in 1979, and Rufutna just moved to Eretz Yisrael. Many of the rebellion snuck out because they heard about Rufutna and they snuck out for his Maimorim that he used to give in Yushalayim. to hear him. And he lived out his last years, but he used to, in Eretz Yisrael, but he used to come to the United States. On one of those last trips, it was Aseris Mechuvah, 1980, or 1981, it was the first time I was to travel with Ravurman. Aseris Mechuvah, they asked me to escort him and take him to a meeting of the Moetzes Gedoyle Torah in Brooklyn, New York. And it was at the house of the Blujavar Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael Spira. If you want to know who Rabbi Yisrael Spira was, you take out the book Hasidic Tales of the Holocaust, a very famous book written by Jaffa Eliach. Great book. Most, 95% of the stories are based on interviews with Rabbi Israel Spira, the Blujavar Rebbe, who I was also zeichet to meet because it was at his house. He was a Yid, Holocaust survivor, was probably about 95 at the time. One of the Ziknei Admirim, spry, fresh, he was, he was healthy. 95? 95 years old, and he was jumping around in the house. And at that meeting of the Moetzes G'day Torah, and, and since it was in the Rebbe's house and not at the Agudas Yisrael office, so the people who traveled with the G'day were not thrown out and were able to sit in at the <laughs> meeting. So I was, I was actually at that meeting. <laughs> and I was able to meet the Blujavar Rebbe. And I was able to meet, at that meeting, Rav Hutner came to that meeting. And that was the first and only time I ever met Rav Hutner, And he was Nifter, the next Kislev, that was Aseris Mechuva and Tishrei, right? And, and he was Nifter a few months later, but he was booming, powerful, Rav Hutner. You know, he had a full head of black hair. At that age, he was in his, uh, you know, in his 80s for sure, and he had a booming voice. And when he, when he spoke, people listened. He wasn't afraid to say his mind. And at that meeting... The Blujav Rebbe, who was 15 years his senior, came over to Rav Hutner and gave him an envelope, gave him money for Pidyon. You know what Pidyon is? People give it to Rebbe's money, and they call it Pidyon money. So they should accept it, and it should be a kapara for them. Pidyon's called Pidyon Gelt. For what purpose? Well, just to get a bracha. Really? And the Blujav Rebbe, who was 15 years older, gave Rav Hutner pinion money. And Rav Hutner took it. And it seems it wasn't the first time that he that this happened. It was interesting. That's how big Rav Hutner was. Yeah, Rav Hutner was a unique person, a unique leader, and a unique individual. And Rav Hutner in 1970, I don't go the whole, the whole telling stories about this. It was great. I learned, a, I learned a lot at that one meeting. I still remember, it's a long time ago, but I learned a lot of that meeting. I was a kid, I was 18 years old. Um, you know, I have some pictures from that meeting that Agudas Yisrael or Moshe Sher took and sent me. Rudin was there, Yaakov Kamenetsky was there, 
and uh, Rebellion Tzvei was there, and wow. Moshe did not come to that meeting, but Rav was this there. Was in Israel? This was in New York, in Brooklyn. Oh, uh, in Brooklyn, okay. yeah. Okay. And a lot of interesting things at that trip. In 1970, which was obviously almost 10 years before that trip, Rafutner was on a plane going to Eretz Yisrael or from Eretz Yisrael that was hijacked. And we all know this is a famous story. He was hijacked. He was on the plane with his daughter, his only daughter, and her husband, Rabbianis and David, who was Rashiv in Pachad Yitzchak in Yerushalayim, also a tremendous Talmud Chacham. Among the whole plane, they were hijacked you know, by Arabs, and they were taken for weeks to you, Uganda, Uganda or Antebi, right? This is not Antebi, not Antebi. It's a different story, similar, but not, 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 didn't end the same way. It wasn't, and, and it was a, I think a TWA flight, who remembers TWA, one of the most, uh, the biggest airlines today. It's just a hotel in JFK. No one knows what TWA was, but only knew TWA in its time. Um, and Rafutna was on that plane. It was in the summer, and he, among other Jews, obviously they identified the Jews right away, took away their passports, and they were holding them for a ransom to get some other terrorists out of prison with the fear of, of killing them. And Rafutner was of the first group that was released from the hands of the hijackers right before Rosh Hashanah. But he was in captivity for weeks. Weeks on end. With Sakonis Moves. Sakonis to be, be killed. Him, his only daughter, Rebbe St. David, and Rebbe Yonis and David, and a few other people that were traveling with him. And when the Futner came out, they, Rebbe Feinstein, the Gedele Ador, decided that the whole Klal Yisrael were davening for him day and night. There were mishmaris in every yeshiva. Every yeshiva had mishmaris round the clock davening for the release of Rav Hutner. It was a big thing. Rabbi St. David's in her seminary, BJJ, speaks about this every year. Like to give a Sudas Haidah, she speaks to the girls and tells over the story in great detail. Kalisar went to the airport, JFK, to greet him. Ramosha Paskin, not to have a band at the airport, because there were still some Jews that were still in captivity, and we rejoice, but we're still holding back. We're happy that the, the Godel Ador of Hutner, Yitzchak Hutner, was released. Rafutner came in, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, didn't speak about his... Until the second day, Sukkot, on the during the during the his Spiezen Yitzchak, mm-hmm. he gives a mimer. I don't know every night Sukkot, but in Chaim Berlin they have certain times when he gives the mimerim, where the Pachat Yitzchak was developed. And he spoke about his. That's when he first spoke about, and he says, "I've been in captivity under the under Yishmoel for weeks." And it gave me the opportunity to develop an insight. Who are these people? Who are our cousins, Yishmoel? 
and he contrasts it between Yishmoel and Esav. Klal Yisrael, they're both cousins, right? Yaakov and Esav, twin brothers, and you have Yishmoel and Yitzchak. What's the difference between the two? And he said that at the end of Parsha's Vayishlach, getting to the Parsha, we are trying to get to the Parsha a little bit, right? At the end of Parsha's Vayishlach, so the Torah has a lengthy discussion, Eile B'nei Seir. These are then, and starting before that, Ve'ele told us on page 192, Perak Lamed Vav. It's a large section of the last part of Parsha's Vayishlach. It's it's, it's a good part. Parsha Vayishach is the longest parsha in Sefer Bereshis, 154 psukim. I would say 40 of them from Perak Lamed Vav, the last three pages of the parsha, are Ela told us Esav, who edoim. Right? And it says about Esav's wives and his family, his children, descendants. And there's a recurring word that you find there, says Rav Hutner. Once it gets into it, you find the word alufe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we hear it over and over and over again last week at the end of the parsha. Elo alufe, this, aluf, this, aluf, that, aluf, that. Maza aluf, what is aluf? Aluf? Chieftain. Chieftain, okay, very good. You read the art scroll. Chief, chief of this, chief of that. Cesar Hutner, in his observation, in being in captivity, you know, besides, he says, by Yishmol, you don't see the word aluf. In the end of Parshas, what is it, where it talks about when, when, <coughs> when it talks about the family of, of Yishmol, It also brings the whole family history and development of the end, on page 122, the end of Chai Sarah. Ve'ele told us Yishmael ben Avram. Okay? And it's not as long as by Esav, but you don't find the word aluf, not once. The word you find is Nisiyim. Princes. <clears throat> and what's the difference as a word between aluf and Nasian. And he says that Aluf means that there are people, it's a kingdom. It's a kingdom which means they have a land. Seir. They had a place called Seir. It was a country. It was it's, it's, the Jordan. It's part of, it's right next to Eretz Israel. They had a place. And we mentioned, we, <clears throat> we talk about that place. It's in Parshas Vayishlach. <clears throat> the Yaakov told them, you're on your way to Seir, you travel, I'll be behind you, and we'll meet up one day. I have the kids, you know, it's hard to travel with the strollers and the diaper bags, you know, don't wait for me. Got to stop for snacks. <laughs> right. Bathroom, you know, it's not easy to travel. You go, you go, I'll, we'll meet. And Rashi says he was talking about Lossid Lava, which is really what the, the Haftoyer and Parshas of Ayishlach which there we do something unusual, we read the whole Sefer of Adya. It's one of the Treyasa, one of the twelve, I don't want to call them minor prophets, as it's translated, loosely, very loosely translated, minor prophet, you know. Whatever that means. 
right, whatever that means, right? But it's it's Treyasar is all in one scroll. All the twelve prophets. One of them is Yaina. One of them is Ovadia. So on Yom Kippur we read the whole Sefer Yaina in the Mafter Yaina, and here we don't call it Mafter Ovadia, but the Haftorah of Parshas Vayishlach is the whole Sefer Ovadia. It's one column. Mm-hmm. That's it, one column. But it's a it's a powerful Chazon Ovadia. It's a very powerful. Talks about Edoin. What's going to be in the in the end of days, and we end that Parsha. There's two psukim that I want to highlight that brings us to Parshas Vayeshev. We end there with a famous passage that we say every day in our davening, V'olu Moshiim Bahar Tzion. We say it in the, in the end of Aleinu, V'olu Moshiim Bahar Tzion Lishpoit Eshar Esav, V'hoisel Hashem Hamlucha. Right? But that's a passage, the last passage in Sefer Ovadia. Uh, and of the of the Haftar and Parshas Vayishlach, we read so much about the family of Esav. We have to know that there's going to be a, a reckoning. There's going to be a day of judgment. But Esav had a kingdom. They had a land, and that's why you don't find that, you know, when when Rome ruled the Eretz Yisrael, they ruled there so like they ruled many other provinces and places. But that's the way it was in history when England had Eretz Yisrael and other countries owned Eretz They owned Africa, they owned Eretz Yisrael, they owned this, and, and, and they gave it up. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't financially good, it was a piece of rock, right? If it had the oil, if they knew if it had oil, they wouldn't have given it away so fast. But it didn't have, it was a bunch of rock and the fights with the Arabs, who needs it? So they gave it and the, uh, to the Israelis. But the Arabs... They're fighting tooth and nail all the years for that piece of rock. Fighting for it at least that we shouldn't have it. <laughs> That's for sure. And it's because, says Rafutner, the Arabs don't have a land. They're Nisim, they're princes, but they're nomads. They have no place. Esav is aluf. It's a kingdom, as the Gemara says, it's a, it's a melucha without a crown. But it has a kingdom, it has a place. They have their place in, in the world. Oh, yeah. Arabs don't, that's right. Arabs don't have a land. That's what's called Nisim. That's what they're constantly battling. That's what his, his observation, mm-hmm. as he spent those weeks understanding Yishmoel. This was one of his observations. That's the ergo, the obsession. That's it. that's their quote, quote, that's their that's their unquote, obsession with land, Palestine. They, they want to get a piece they, of land, right? Because they were told by Sarah Garishas Omazem Lo Yirash in Bini, he will not inherit. Out, Esav. They have a give him Sayer. They have Sayer. He has a piece. It's it's always connected with as we talked about. This was what Rav Hutner's in that interaction that, that he had, those, those weeks that he had under captivity. And here, but this brings us to Vayeshev Yaakov. So in other words, we, just to sum up, we can expect the Arabs continuing to fight for the little slab of land. Correct. Obsessed no matter what they have, they, they don't have Eretz Yisrael. Yeah. They want it. Right. Tati's land. And this brings us to Vayeshev Yaakov. Yaakov in our Parsha, 
Parshas Vayeshev, says he wants to relax. Yaakov settled in the land of his father. He finally came home after 20 long years. 22 years. He came home to see Yitzchak. We don't mention much about Yitzchak, but he came home. And Eila told us Yaakov Yosef. The Torah is telling us that these are the children of generation of Yaakov Yosef. Twelve sons. By this time, yeah, twelve sons. So Rashi, of course, jumps on this. But before that, Rashi already we said by Yeshev Yaakov, he wanted to settle. And Akashbrochu was basically telling him, not time to settle yet. You have to hand off the baton to Yosef. It's not ready to relax and retire. You still have something very significant to to accomplish. And this is what Rashi right away says, After we mention all the many, many psukim of the generations of Esav, Rashi says in the beginning, And we're and so so then we also start talking about Vayeshev Yaakov, and then Rashi says Dover Acher, another pshat of Vayeshev Yaakov. He says it's also referring to. He brings a parable between a Pashtani, someone who deals in flax, comes in, his camels laden with. Flax, and there were. Where are we going to do with all this flax? Where are we going to put it? You, come, you know, camels can can carry on their top, on the sides, full full of flax. So there was one smart person, Rashi says, who says, "I got an, I got a good idea what to do with this flax. We one spark from a fire, and we'll take care of all the flax. We won't have to worry about it." Strange way that's taking care of it. I mean, that's destroying, seems destroying the flax. Says Rashi Kach Yaakov, Ro Kola Lufim, Haksuvin Lamaila. Yaakov saw, he saw, he did, what, what did he see in the Torah? Or he saw, he heard that, that Asaph grew and grew and developed all these families. Kola Lufim, Haksuvin Lamaila. So he said, What's going to be? Who can conquer? Who can balance out all these people? Says the Torah, Ela told us Yaakov Yosef. With one Yosef, Yaakov is is satisfied that he can handle Asaph, whatever he bring, bring it on. I got I got it covered. As it says in the Pasuk in Ovadia, another the second Pasuk that I want to highlight that we read in last week's Half Torah, and was mentioned early later beforehand in Parshas Vayetze, famous Pasuk that says, Vahaya base Yaakov Aish, the house of Yaakov is fire. Ubeis Yosef Lehava is a is the is the flame. Difference between flame and fire. It's, they seem synonyms, right? What's the difference between? So basic difference is the fire is contained in one place. The flame of the fire that's what may, ha, helps it spread. spread and and consume and and protect. That's basic. Yosef Lahava is the flame, who base Esav Lakash. And the house of Esav is the flax, the straw. That's the Pasuk in Ovadia. Nitzutz Yosef Rashi brings. A one spark goes from Yosef, 
mechala v'soyres kulam can destroy and contain all of Esav. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. This is Ela told us Yaakov Yosef. Yaakov is worried about how to contain Esav. Don't worry, you got Yosef. And this is reflecting of what the Parsha says in in Parsha's Vayetze when he was raising his his family being born. Vayiskar Elokim as Rachel. Rachel, Hashem remembered Rachel. Vayishmael Elohash Elokim and Hashem Vayiftach as Rachmi opened her womb. Rachel said, oh, Hashem remembers my, my suffering, right? My disgrace. And she, she called him Yosef, that Hashem should give me another son. That was Rachel's. When Rachel gave birth to Yosef, why? Why is it Dafka Rachel gave birth to Yosef? It's, it's true, but Yaakov also. By Yoimer, Yaakov, Yaakov said, "Elavon to Lavon, Shalchuni, send me away. Ve'elcha mekoymi, I'm ready to go." And there Rashi says, "Why is he ready to go when he had Yosef? It wasn't all of his children. Binyamin wasn't born yet. He knew he had to have twelve, but he had Yosef." Says Rashi, "I see Benavua." When Ace, when Yaakov was born, he says, "Noilad Sitnoshel Esav." My my counterpart and my anecdote. What I need to survive Esav is now born. I have Yosef. Shenemar brings the famous passage in Ovadia. We just v'hoya base Yaakov Eish or base Yosef lahava or base Esav lakash. All houses; these are homes, which we talked about. The 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 this is part of of Torah. You know, Bracious, The Torah begins with base, which is bias. It's a home. Even Esav is part of that home. It's the, it's the balance for Yaakov always. It's their ongoing relationship as we as we spoke about it. That's why it's base Yaakov, base Yosef, and base Esav even. Yosef, when Yosef was born, says Rashi, I'm quoting this Rashi I'm in, in Vayetze, which is Perak Lamed, Pasuk Chafhei. Perak Lamed, Pasuk Chafhei. So listen to Lush of Rashi. Mishinoilad Yosef, Botach Yaakov, Bakarish Borchu, then he had the, the Emunan Bitochen. He had the fortitude in Akarish Borchu. And now he says, I can go back to my father's house. I can go back to Eretz Yisrael. Didn't have the 12 Shvatim yet. Binyamin was not born. But he had Yosef. I'm good to go. I can now face Esav in any situation. Then as the flame. The flame. I got the flame. He can bring all the flax he wants. One spark from Yosef, who is the flame, not just the fire and the passion of, of, of Yaakov, Right? Yaakov is the Eish. But Yosef is the Lahava, what we call from the word Hislavus, you know, and the word of, of, of the passion and the and the, the burning and the that it should burn consume. Varatsalosh and he wanted to go back. This is from the Medrash brought in Rashi and Pashas by Yatsay.
And this, this gives us the background to what Ela told us Yaakov Yosef. And Yaakov was told this, and he saw this at this point. And that's why the passage continues to say that Yosef was only 17, a mere 17 years old. And he was the shepherd. He shepherded his brothers through the sheep. It's a strange language. But he was positioned to shepherd means you're the leader. He was shepherding not just the sheep, but he was shepherding his brothers, which obviously was not simple. And it caused a lot of animosity, as the Pasuk continues to say. He's a child. How do you read it? He was a shepherd with his brothers? Yes. He was the lead shepherd. He was a shepherd with his brothers. That's how art school translated. Yeah, but the wording, uh-huh. he shepherded his brothers. Esachov. Who says that? That's, that's you read the, the Pashem Shah. Uh-huh. Yeah, but art school translates it. Right. Which right. He is, was a shepherd of his he brothers. He was a shepherd with his brothers uh-huh. by the flock. Shepherd and his brothers. Yeah, that's Pashem Right, and that needs to, you have to understand what it, what it's telling us. But he was only seventeen, and Yaakov didn't know, or he didn't know exactly that ya- that Ace Yosef is going to be leaving soon. He didn't. He was going to be sold and and thought to be dead, and this was his only chance to educate him, give him over, and he did. He gave him over. The, the pasuk says. The Yisrael Ohavis Yosef Mikol Banov. He loved him from all of his children, <clears throat> even though he was a, he was younger, and he was doing immature things. But as the, as the Rashi brings, he was the spitting image of of Yaakov, looked like him, and they were going to share a lot of situations of life. And Rashi says, that he, he loved him from all of his children, says Rashi that, that he taught him everything he learned, everything he learned in the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. On the Pasuk, Ben Zikunim, he was my youngest, my child of old age. We usually term that for the youngest, but he was not the youngest. Binyamin was younger. Binyamin was born in Parshas Vayishlach, after the meeting with Esav. And that was the uniqueness of Binyamin. He'd never bowed down to Esav. The 11 children bowed down to Esav. Dina was in a box. But the eleven sons did. Binyam was born after that, as it says in, in Parshas Vayishlach, that he was born. He was born after. So Yosef was the youngest one among those children. Ben Zekunim, and, and the Targum, as Rashi points out, says Bar Chachim. He was the wise son. <clears throat> he saw that he had a wisdom that was unique. And Kol Mashalama Mishen Ve'Ever Mosadlo. He gave him over everything, which, as we have explained is the Torah Sagolus. 
not knowing necessarily that, that Yosef was going to be taken away, but he taught him, he gave him these, this foundation. Says Rav Hutner, again, in, in, mem- in his memory, that we find an f- interesting phenomenon that, that uniquely separates Yosef from the other brothers, in that Yosef is mentioned at the tail end of Sefer Bracious. He's the only one that's mentioned his death. The death of Avram, of course, is mentioned, the death of Yitzchak, death of Yaakov. The last Pasuk of Parshas Vayechi, that we're going to read in a few weeks, Rafutin makes this observation, says, Vayomas Yosef, and Yosef died ben meyav eser shanim, 110 years old, vayosem be'oron b'mitzrayim, they placed his coffin in Egypt. And then Rav Huta points out that in the first psukim, in Sefer Shmois, it says on page 292, the beginning of Sefer Shmois, Vayamos Yosef The only time Rav Huta says that the, the death of the Shvatim is mentioned. So the, the only death of one of the Shvatim is who, and mentioned the Sefer Bracious, is Yosef. The Shvatim are not mentioned that they died, but I mean, they all died, right? <laughs> Obviously, they all died. Um, not mentioned until Sefer Shemos. Rafutna points out because Sefer Bracious is the Sefer of the Ovois, the Ramban says. Sefer Shemos is the, is the Sefer of the Banim. Of the children. Yosef, Rav Hutner wants to say in a, in, in a special foundation, Yosef in, in a one certain specific way had the category of an av. He was like a forefather. Even though the Gemara says, of course, Ein Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, but Yosef had a dimension of an Av and that's what it means Ela told us Yaakov Yosef Yosef is, is a bit of an extension of Yaakov in what way says Rav Hutner like only Rav Hutner can say it's from a story in this week's Parsha the famous story of Yosef and Eishas Potiphar we know that Yosef as he was sold and we'll have to fast forward he, was, he had to leave his brothers and he was, his brothers sold him to one, to another. It was, the question was three times he was sold till ultimately he reached Mitzrayim. And that was his destination. And his father thought he was dead because they brought his, his clothing. They took off his clothing. Imagine the first you know, abused brother by his brothers when we were still paying for this. The Mechiris Yosef is one of the um, cardinal sins that Klal Yisrael still pays for. Throughout all the history, we're still looking for ways of antikunim. Da Sarahrugim Malchus that we read about on Yom Kippur and on Tishabov is a product of the ten brothers selling Binyamin wasn't involved, he wasn't there, right? 
um, in selling in selling Yosef and all the Goliaths we're told are, are because of the sin of the selling of Yosef and, and by his brothers and the sin of the eagle. These two sins are things that we are constantly working on um, throughout our lives. When he came to Mitzrayim, so even though the Jewish people needed to get it down in Mitzrayim, right, didn't have it, to be through that it had that to, transaction. Right, didn't ha- didn't have to, but it right didn't have to, but it it was. But Yosef had to be the first one to come down to Mitzrayim to pave the way, as he did in so many ways. But it was a difficult path. And one of the most difficult parts of that path was that he was sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar had a wife. And she was very attracted. We'll get into Potiphar. Also was attracted to Yosef. We'll get into that. But the Aishas Potiphar, the Torah tells us that she was very attracted to him. And the Torah introduces that by saying Yosef went down to Mitzrayim and was sold, was bought by Potiphar, Sris Paro, the chief executioner. And here it's called the Tabachim, which literally is the, he was the, 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 the butcher, but the Targum says he was the chief executioner. And he, and he was very matzliach. The first parsha says he was so matzliach, he brought Hatzlacha to Potiphar and his business, and, and everything was great. But he had a wife. His wife, Aishas Potiphar, we don't know her name, but she was the wife of Potiphar. She had took a liking to Yosef, and she started uh, enticing him day in and day out as the Torah goes through very great detail. And he persevered day in and day out, propositioning Yosef, and finally it came a time when they were alone in the house, as the Torah describes it, on page 214. He said to his wife, he says, what do you want from me? My master has given me everything. How can I do this to him? But Every day, the Torah says in Pasuk Yud, he didn't listen to her. She just desired and propositioned him in every which way. He came to the house and no one was there. Some kind of party. She, she like Rashi says, she, was, she made that she's sick. And she couldn't go to the party, and now she had him alone. And the Torah says on the bottom of 2.14, there was no one there. On top of 2.16, she grabbed him in his clothing, and she says, live with me. And he let her grab and take off his coat. And he ran out, and he left the house. He ran and he left the house. And then before she talk about what, what does that mean, you know, he ran, which is very suspicious. What are you, where are you running? But then when he left the house, he just walked out of the house calmly. She didn't see this. She thought, and then she thought that he would frame her, you know, tell, because what really happened, nothing happened. So therefore she said, oh, this, this uh, slave, he came and propositioned me and tried to rape me. And 
he was thrown into jail. This is the story. Says Rav every one of the Ovais positioned Klal Yisrael for eternity. Avram Avinu was the first Jew. He decided. He was the first one who became a Jew. Yitzchak was the first one, first of the Ovais that was born a Jew. Avram and Sarah had Yitzchak. Yaakov was the first one that created the theme and the, and the eternal connection that any Jew who's born from a Jewish father and mother is always a Jew, no matter how they conduct their life. Yisrael avopi shechata Yisrael. He born a Jew, he dies a Jew. There's no way, no matter what you do, there's no aver that a person can do that he can be thrown out of the club. There's no clause that you'd be thrown out. That's amazing. It's an amazing thing. And that's why we never give up on anybody. We never, and you would never ever give up on a Jew. But there is one way that you could be disconnected. If a Jew marries out, if a Jew marries out, that, that there's, there's the end. There's still one way that a Jew could have an end of his Jewishness. That's powerful. And that was left hanging, even whatever Yaakov, Abraham, Yisab, Yaakov created, but there's still one trap door, one door that, and who, unfortunately, we are the, the generation that sees this all around us. Right? Unfortunately. Yosef closed that door by standing up to the Ashes Potiphar, says Rav Hutner. And he created a, a perpetual eternity of strength in the Jewish DNA to stand up and say, no, I don't want to give up my eternity. By standing up against the Ashes Potiphar. And that's in this week's Parsha. And in that way, Yosef became like a forefather. He added one more dimension, didn't close the door completely with padlocks, but he gave the strength that ultimately a Jew, and there were Baruch Hashem generations where people didn't understand, weren't religious in any which way, but marry a Jew, for sure. I marry a Jew. Can't ask him why, but of course. And they're angry at their children, you're not marrying a Jew? What, what, what? I raised you so Jewish. What do you mean, so Jewish? We ate on Yom Kippur. We, we didn't eat any kosher. But, 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 so Yosef created that eternity and that made him, says Rav Hutner, it made him into a, an Av. And he says this in, in two places. In Pesach. In that choice, in that moment. In that moment. That moment, that's why it's highlighted in this week's parsha in great detail. And it's hinted to also in the, in the parsha, she grabbed him in his clothing. And he, he let go of his, of his clothing in her hand. There's a muscle there. Bigdoy is the same word as Ashamnu, Bagadnu. Bagadnu means that I. You know, I've transgressed, but it has the same letters as beged, as clothing. 
and also it's Beis Gimel Dalid. It's in order of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. You have Aleph separate. Aleph is Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Beged means Beis Gimel Dalid. Beged means clothing, which means that there are times when we clothe ourselves in external things, but it really doesn't penetrate our core. The klipos, right? We can and we can shed those. Yosef gave the power to let them grab my externals, and I'll I'll give up my externals for my eternal core. I will leave it, leave it, leave it there. And this is part of the strength that he let gave us in the Torah. And this is also mentioned when when Esav came, when Yaakov dressed up like Esav, right? And he wore the clothing. So there also Chazal talk about the the beged as being begdov, the the ones that are 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 um, betraying, the betrayal. Ashamnu, I was, I sinned in one way. Bogadnu, I was, I was uh, betraying Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's a beged. It's only an external. I can take it off. And Rav Hutner says this in Pachad Yitzchak in Pesach, Maimer Memtes, and he also says it in in Sukkot, in Pachad Yitzchak and Sukkot, Maimer Yud Beis. And he talks talks about this that Yosef had this ability, and that's why Yosef was the was was the ability to conquer Esav. With one spark, that's the spark of Yosef, and that can travel. That can travel distance. So we can take the fire of Yaakov and make it applicable. Make it make it apply in the distance. So that force, just summarizing that force of the flame, which we get from Yosef. That's correct. Is inside of all of us, and we we as Jews can dispel mass amounts of adversaries. Right. With that's, one single human that's, being. That's correct. It almost sounds that's like nuclear correct. energy. Correct. <laughs> Very good. Versus. And this is the Loshan that Rashi uses though, that we mentioned in Parshas Vayetzei. Mishinoilid Yosef botach Yaakov ba'Kodesh He had more confidence in HaKodesh Boruchu v'rotz and he wanted to go back. And and this is what we what we say in our davening. Vani b'chazdecha botachti. Rashi doesn't bring this. I'm... I'm uh, Attaching this to it, and in your chesed, Hakadosh that you gave us a Yosef that put into our DNA this bitochan that Yaakov saw in Yosef, Yogel libi bishuasech, I can be happy in my heart in your salvation. And this is ultimately what is what brings us to the Yom Tov of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is always the Parshius of Yosef. And it's that spark, that flame, that, that we know that, that, that represents uh, Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah the, <clears throat> came in a time of history when the Jewish people were strong but weak. We had a Beis Amigdash, a second Beis Amigdash. But the Beis Amigdash was not the same like the first Beis Amigdash. Didn't have the Shechina, didn't have the Oron, didn't have the, the, the foundation 
and the anchor that the first base of Mikdash had didn't have nevuah. The ten miracles didn't have. We had to ignite the fire of Yosef stronger, mm-hmm. and that's the pach Hashemen that Hakadosh Baruch Hu promises in every generation, which is really, I think, what Rafutner means by that that Yosef is the flame. Hakadosh plants it in each generation that we can find the strength to take the fire of Yaakov and, and take it further, bring it and apply it to our generation. It's not always so easy. Just like Yosef, when he was under this terrible test of the wife of Potiphar. So the Pesach says that what gave him the strength so the, the Chazal tell us and it's, it's the, the trump we're going to hear this Shabbos is a Shalshelis which means that he, he paused and he struggled but that struggling Chazal tell us that he looked in the window and he saw his father's face which maybe he did see his father's face but he saw himself he saw his potential because he was his father's extension. He looked like his father. He looked in the mirror and he found inner strength. He found that flame, that continuous flame. And that's when we look in, in our generation, in every generation, like in the generation of Hanukkah, those few Kohanim says we cannot go under. We will not give in to the Hellenism. We will not go into the challenges of that time, which was, was disguised clothing, talk about clothing, was disguised in we're trying to help you. We're trying to bring you into the into modernity. We're going to give you ways that you'll be able to communicate with the youth. How did reform movement start? They said that you're losing Jews to, the, to Christianity. So you have to re- revamp, you have to reform your Judaism. And People bought into it. In Germany, it became very popular. Bring music, bring this, and music instruments. we got to save where we have to save the Jews. The Gedolim of those times said, no, this is destroying us. This is ultimately going to destroy us. This is going to open the door that that Yosef is supposed to close from keeping us away from assimilation, and it's going to open it up to make them assimilate, which is what happened. There are no more Reformed Jews anymore. They're all Goyim. They're no Reformed Jews or even conservative Jews. They're all assimilated. Either because they did convert, which is not a good conversion, or even they didn't convert. They go with the father's descent. It, it's, the Reform, it, it just destroyed the Jewish people. It wasn't the continuation of that flame of, of Yosef. The Kohanim stood up and they understood and they identified. They saw through the deceit of the Yavanim. And they said, these people, and this is what we say in our davening, when we on daven on, 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 on Hanukkah, Bimei matisyo ben yochin koen gorol chashmoi yuvonov, kishomdom malchus yovon horisho, lashkicham Torah. So they wanted to destroy and make us forget our Torah. Any Jew at the time would have said, these people are trying to make you forget your Torah. They would say, what? 
we don't want that. But they didn't present it that way. They sugar-coated it. They made it look like it uh, had, a, had a nice big fat OU on it. It's good. It's helping us. Keeping us connected. Internet. All uh, Keeping us connected. And they didn't know that they have to. So the Kohanim stood up and they identified. That's why we say it in our davening. This is what they wanted to do with all their smiles and their nice niceties. They they wanted to make us forget our Torah. And they wanted to make us forget and leave the mitzvahs that we are so dear to, that were always so dear to us. And that's why Reb Doi says that, while we make a point of saying, Malchus Yovan Harishah, the evil, we have to expose the, the, that they were evil. Because his, in history, they don't, they're not looked as evil. Enlightenment. They came to enlighten the world through their culture, through their music, through their science, through their other other ways of, of, of raising us from the ghettos, from the darkness, dark ages. The imagery is, is so clear. This is what this is the light of Hanukkah that started from Aaron and went to these few Kohanim to show that a little light kindled in the right place. This is the base Yosef is a lahava, is a flame. The, the, and in a minute, when it's when we're redirected, we can burn up the Asav and it's gone. You don't have to worry about where to store it. Don't worry about the storage. You know that back to that mushal that Rashi brings at the beginning of the parsha. Oh, these camels coming in laden with flax. Where am I going to put them? I got to rent uh, mini mini mobile uh, storage units. I got to. Where am I going to do? Throw out. What am I going to do? Don't worry about it. One 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 uh, f- uh, f- flame, one spark from Yosef. It's all gone. No problems. Where to store it? This is this is the story that continues over and over again. That and the, and this story of Yosef to be able to identify. Yosef, of course, he stood up to the challenge, but he identified that this step, if I take that step, it's off a cliff, not just to, to, a, to a, a basement of, of opportunity. It's off a cliff. I'm throwing it all away. This is what I think Rafutner is saying, that the, the, what, the Avhus, the, 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 that Yosef represented a part of being the patriarch of the Jewish people is because he gave us another way to be able to examine, to see through the sheker and the destruction of the outside world. And this is, again, you know, what the Torah this, uh, tells us on page 216. That after after the, the story of Yosef, then Yosef was ready to take on this his leadership in Egypt, and everything started turning around. He established, this is the same Lushan that we have before the Akedah. The Akedah is Yitz, Avram and Yitzchak. It was an Akedah for both of them. It says, Vahi acharat vorm ha'ila, in Parshas Vayera. These are Vahi Acharad Varm Ha'ila on page one hundred. Velokim Nisas Avram. This was a challenge for Avram and for Yitzchak, 
Who are they? What do they represent? And here Yosef showed that he what he represented and what he gave in the in the fundamental patriarchal um, uh, treasure chest of Klal Yisrael, and that's why Yosef is mentioned in Sefer Bracious that he died and was buried, and we have that in our in our in ourselves. And then we start the the con- continuity of the. Um, this is through the strength of our learning Torah, being committed to Torah, being able to see through Torah the the the, the, the little light. And this is Yosef. Yosef represents more. And the, the theme of, of Hanukkah is Moisif Ahilach. We go from one candle to two, not eight to seven to six. Like Beishamai, we go Mailim Bekaidish, Moisif Ahilach, like Rachel said, you gave me one son, Moisif Li Ben Acher, give me more. It, it has the possibility of Lehovav, this flame, to consume evil. And to promote light, this is what this is really what uh, what uh, Hanukkah is, is all about, and this is the connection between Yosef coming into into the parsha of Ayeshev, starting the uh, the Yom Tov Mitzvahem of, um, of Hanukkah. Yeah. Do you have that pasuk?